Revelation chapter 12, please. Revelation chapter 12. And let's start today's broadcast, if we may, in verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being a child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. If you were to ask a Catholic to explain this woman clothed with the sun and the moon, they would say that it is in reference to Mary. If you were to ask a Protestant to explain this woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, they would tell you that it is in reference to the church. Both are incorrect, and yet both are not a million miles off. This great wonder has been witnessed in heaven, third heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being a child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. It is, of course, Israel, outside of God, outside of Jesus, outside of the devil. Israel is the most mentioned aspect in the word of God. And here the Lord is showing John a wonder, a miracle, a sign up in the third heaven. And this goes back to what I've been saying over the last several weeks and months now, that a lot of revelation overlaps, parenthesis. It's like watching a movie. You sit down and the first couple of minutes, it shows the character's last few days. And you see how he dies. And then there's a flashback to the beginning of his life. And now you're going to see how his life begins. I think much of Revelation is similar to that. There are flashbacks, if you will, especially chapter 7 concerning the 144,000. But here, this woman brings forth a child, verse 2, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. There's no doubt that the conception leading up to the crucifixion of the Messiah was a big deal. And I will say this, that Mary is partly pictured here. I will say that she gave birth to a literal son and it was a difficult birth. But the context is certainly in reference and clearly in reference to Israel. Let's keep reading on and I'll come back to these two verses and tie them together. Verse 3, please. And there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And I read this last night and I thought this is interesting. This great wonder, sign, a miracle, call it what you will concerning this great red dragon is of course the devil but he has seven heads and ten horns i thought to myself seven heads and ten horns and i went to chapter five and i looked at verse six and i beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent forth into all the earth and i thought to myself this that the Messiah, 5-6, is described as having seven horns. Okay, seven horns and seven eyes. And I gave the uh, analogy some weeks ago concerning uh, that statement, you are my eyes and my ears, or my ears and my eyes. In other words, you are my representatives. When you go onto the streets and preach the gospel, people see the Lord inside of us. On top of that, you've got Seven spirits linked to seven angels linked to seven churches. You've also got seven continents. But I thought to myself this, that what we are reading about here from 5-6 concerning the Messiah, he only has seven horns. Now, 
what this will come down to, I think, is not necessarily quantity, but quality. And yet when I go back to chapter 12, it says, Had there appeared another wonder in heaven, third heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, Satan, of course, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. So I thought to myself this, that the devil has ten horns, whereas the Messiah has seven. Of course, ten is a number of the Gentiles. And this will fit into chapter 17 quite nicely. In fact, go to chapter 17. I was reading this also last night and also this morning to try and understand what these horns are all about. And Lord willing, next week I will deviate, if I may, from Revelation and uh, take a look at Daniel and try and tie these two incredible books together. But I was looking at this last night and also this morning trying to understand what's going on. And from Revelation 17, verse 9, it says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which a woman sitteth concerning Babylon the Great, concerning Papal Rome, concerning the whore, the harlot, call it what you will. And I went to verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So what you're going to see during the tribulation will be a ten-horn kingdom, a tenfold kingdom, ten nations that will dominate the world. Now at present, we have the European Union, which I believe is around 27 uh, nations, 27 nation members, minus Britain due to the Brexit vote. So Britain will come out of the EU over the next couple of years. So 27 minus 1 gives us 26, not 10. What may happen over the next couple of years, and next year we have the French election, followed by the German election, and if the right uh, win in France, and if they win in Germany, they may leave the European Union. There's been talk that the French and the Germans will give their people a vote, a referendum. And if that happens, along with the Austrian government, which is also looking like it's going to move to the right, that gives you Britain, France, Germany, Austria, four. America's gone to the right with Trump. That gives you five, not ten. People say, how about the the G8? Well, the G8 is just that, G8. Knock off Russia. They were expelled some years ago. So you've got seven nations, the wealthiest in the world. But that gives you seven, not ten. People say, how about the G20? Well, 20 is not ten, is it? People say, well, how about the uh, Security Council over in uh, New York, the United Nations? You've got the permanent five, but five isn't ten. And Britain is also part of the Security Council. So it would appear, as of today, there are no ten kingdoms ready to roll to dominate the world. And yet that could change very quickly. Look at Brexit. Look at the Trump win. Look at France and Germany. There's a lot happening around the world as we speak but i will say this and try and pull these verses together that what seems to be happening in revelation is the antichrist being a personification of satan the son of perdition uh, the prince of the power of the air call him what you will has 10 horns 10 kingdoms so in the short term his kingdom is greater than the messiah's But it comes down to quality, not quantity. Let's keep reading on from Revelation 12, please. 
look at verse 4. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now I do believe this, that when Mary gave birth to the Lord, that the dragon, the devil, the serpent, Lucifer, call him what you will, was probably within sight of what was going on. He's not called the prince of the power of the air for nothing. He's not called the god of this world for nothing. He gets around. He's called a roaring lion. And here, his tail do the third part of the stars of heaven concerning angels, of course, and did cast them to the earth where we live today. And the dragon, the devil, stood before the woman, Israel, specifically, but behind Israel, Mary to some extent, which was ready to be delivered, the birth of the Lord, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now you can't miss it, can you? From the moment the Lord was conceived till his crucifixion, it was a hard road. He was up against the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He was up against indifference. Even his own apostles at times would doubt him, picturing the two natures in the believer. And yes, I believe the apostles were all saved, but they weren't born again until Acts chapter 1. They received an imputed righteousness. So when I read these verses, 1, 2, 3, and 4, I see Israel very much in the context. I see her with a crown with 12 stars on her head, and very much in reference to the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. But behind Israel as a nation is Mary. Mary was a daughter of Israel. The child is about to give birth. She is travailing in birth. It was a very difficult birth. The dragon, the devil, stands before the woman, Israel, also Mary, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And like I say, he would try to thwart the Lord's ministry. He would, on two occasions, try to sink a boat on the River Galilee, on the uh, River of Tiberias, I should say. And the apostles say, wake up, Lord, we are about to drown. Don't you care? And he rebukes the wind. He rebukes the storm. The devil was behind that incident. The devil was trying to destroy the Lord and his apostles by drowning them all. Verse 5. She brought forth a man-child, which was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. This is fascinating. Let's break this down. Verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child, Israel specifically, but Mary behind Israel. Mary being a daughter of Israel, comma who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, millennium, colon, and her child was caught up unto God, ascension, comma, and to his throne, millennium. What you've got from verse 5 are at least three aspects to the Lord's ministry. And she brought forth a man-child, first advent, comma, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, millennium. No mention of the church age. Very typical of the Jewish Old Testament prophets. Comma, and her child was caught up unto God, ascension, comma, and to his throne. This is very typical of the word of God. The word of God jumps about, Isaiah especially. Isaiah will give you the first coming, the tribulation, the millennium, eternity, but no mention of the church age. Because the Jewish Old Testament prophets, for the most, were not shown the church age. The church age is a mystery. The church age was revealed to the Apostle Paul, and it doesn't really come into play 
I guess, until Acts chapter 7. Most of what you read about in Acts of the Apostles concerns Jews that were keeping the Sabbath, Jews that were circumcised, Jews that were very much still between two covenants, the old covenants and the new covenants. They were going up to the temple, and Paul especially was sacrificing as well during the book of Acts. And he knew that the new covenant was still to be revealed to some extent. But I won't get into the two covenants today. That's another subject for another day. Look at verse 6, please. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared a God, that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred and threescore days. Chapter 11, verse 2, 42 months, being three and a half years. Chapter 11, verse 3, a thousand, two hundred and threescore days. Three and a half years. Much of this material, like I say, overlaps. You can't get around it. And go back to that analogy I used at the beginning of this broadcast. Concern a movie, as I say, it opens with the end of a person's life. And there's a flashback to the beginning of that person's life. And Revelation is very similar. But here, the woman flee into the wilderness, a type of the world. And Mary would also flee into the wilderness, along with Joseph and the young child, of course. Where she hath a place prepared of God. And most people think that's going to be Jordan, throughout the tribulation. That they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. They being those that will comfort the woman, those that will give her a place of sanctuary, a place of safety. And again, a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days, three and a half years, could be middle of the tribulation, could be at the end of the tribulation. I'm not overly sure. A lot of millennial brethren will differ as to when this takes place. But what we can say is that this happens after the church has been raptured. Also, it's worth mentioning over in Matthew 25 that when the Lord comes back, he does reward those that have treated Israel well. So if you can treat a Jew well, whether that Jew is saved or unsaved makes no difference, you should do so. You should pray for peace in Israel. Because again, outside of God, Jesus and the devil, Israel is the most mentioned entity, person, subject in the scripture. And here, during the tribulation, the woman will flee into the wilderness where she is protected. This also feeds into, quite possibly, the 144,000. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against a dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Michael is an archangel who has angels, and the dragon, being the devil, was a cherub a higher form of angelic being, who also has angels. And they fight in heaven, third heaven, and prevails not, doesn't get the victory, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Now, again, there's much discussion as to when this happens. Does this happen during the tribulation? Or does this happen before the tribulation? I'm not overly sure myself. But let's keep reading on. And again, I will try and pull all of these verses together. Look at verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. It would be nice to think that the devil has long been expelled from heaven. Over in uh, the book of Job, 
he would be summoned to the Lord to give an account of himself. And the Lord would say to the devil, uh, check out this guy called Job. He's a very righteous man. He prays, he fasts. He is a good man. Check him out. And of course, the devil checks him out and starts to afflict him, starts to put the thumb screws on him, as they say. And along the way, he will lose his livelihood. He will lose his children. And he's a good picture of the Jew that goes to the tribulation. And at the end of that uh, story of Job, the Lord is able to resurrect either his dead children, which has been put forward by some, or give him a new back to children. We're not sure. But the point is this, that the devil would attack Job. The devil would attack Paul. Paul was almost blind by the end of his life. And he will certainly be interested in Israel. Starting at the first advent, going through the church age, the tribulation especially. And yet during the millennium, thankfully he's bound. He can't do any more harm. But here, this great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Absolutely. And he continues to deceive the whole world. He will deceive the whole world by getting the world to believe that he doesn't exist. He will deceive the whole world by getting them to believe in evolution. And he would deceive the whole world by getting them to be a part of this one world ecumenical interfaith movement, which is an abomination. He was cast out into the earth and his angels are cast out with him. If you were to push me and say, when do I think this is going to occur? I would say probably during the tribulation, which means this, that today, tomorrow, next week, the devil is able to gain access to heaven. He is able to blaspheme us. He is able to slander us. He is able to say to our great God, look at that man down there. Look at that woman down there. She says she is saved, and yet look what she does behind closed doors. That man says he is saved, and yet look what he does behind closed doors. And the Lord says, yes, I know what he does behind closed doors, but he's still mine. And she's still mine. And that's pictured over in uh, the book of Numbers concerning Balaam. And Balak, who came together to curse Israel. And uh, the response from the Lord came back to that wicked prophet that Israel was good. That there was no sin in the camp. That Israel was a blessed nation. And of course, you know, Israel had a lot of sin. There was a lot of problems with Israel. And yet the Lord wouldn't admit to that concerning these two reprobates. As far as he was concerned, Israel was his beloved Israel was his wife. And if you're born again, you are greatly beloved as well. So take great delight in that. And yet at the same time, don't ever underestimate the devil. Let's keep reading on. Verse 10, please. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That will happen. Mark my words. That will happen. But I don't think it's happened just yet. Like I say, some dispensational brethren are split on this particular point. It's not a salvation issue, so let's not fall out over this. But verse 10 is interesting. and I'll read it again. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation. In fact, salvation for memory in Hebrew is Yeshua, Yeshua means Jehovah saves. 
Now has come salvation. Now has come Jesus. Now has come Yeshua and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, starting right back with Abel, ending with the last man at the end of the tribulation who is saved, is cast down, kicked out, which accused them before our God day and night. The Lord will say to his apostles, I beheld Satan falling as lightning from heaven. Over in uh, Isaiah 14, I will ascend up to the north. I will be like the most high. I will do this. I will do that. The devil has a lot of plans. He has great uh, hopes for the future. He would say to the Lord over in uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4 that if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of the kingdoms of the world just like that. The Lord doesn't correct him. He doesn't say you are a liar. You have no authority. You can't promise me that. He says, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Get thee behind me, Satan, which is a great scripture, incidentally, to affirm the Lord's deity. Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Probably in reference to the 144,000. And we can take these verses and spiritualize them to the church. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, imputation. Overcame, overcomer, to be born again, shows you have overcome. And by the word of their testimony, your testimony is the hardest thing to gain and the easiest thing to lose if you're not careful. Semicolon, and they love not their lives unto the death. He that saves his life will lose it, or he that loses life will save it. It's a paradox. It means this, that if you believe in the Lord, that's all very good and well. But to live for him, it's going to cost you something. Look at Iraq today. Look at Afghanistan today. Look at North Korea today. Look at China. There are many saved people that are losing their lives to follow the Lamb. Those of us in the West are, for the most part, completely indifferent, completely incapable of really empathizing with such people. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. 144,000. Tribulation. Spiritualize it to those of us living today. Being born again. Imputation. And by the word of their testimony. Justification in the sight of men. James chapter 2 verses justification in the sight of God. Romans chapter 4. And they love not their lives unto the death. Be prepared to lay down your life. Once you get born again. Be prepared to sacrifice yourself. If you have to. That's something which the early church knew all about. And that's why the Lord would commend those that were suffering where Satan's seat was. I think it was Smyrna from memory. Verse 12, and I will close. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now this is very interesting. He knows that he has but a short time. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him. To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. A day of the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. Meaning time is insignificant to the Lord. Time doesn't touch the Lord. The Lord lives outside of time. But here... Things which must 
shortly come to pass, and yet hasn't yet come to pass. Verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So on the one hand, you've got this call to do something. You've got this message of urgency. You've got this uh, statement to deal with the text at hand. Because 150,000 people die every 24 hours of the day, which is around 8,000. And yet, on the other hand, time has stood still. Going back to what I said last week concerning the two witnesses that come to preach on the earth, clothed in sackcloth. It's like time has stood still. Because for the Jews, they are still waiting for the Messiah. In fact, some rabbi told me some years ago that the Old Testament doesn't finish with to be continued, dot, dot, dot. I said to him, yes, it does. You were told to look out for Elijah. You were told to look out for Moses. You were told in Second Chronicles to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild, which they did. And they are back in the land and have been since 1948. And they will remain in the land until the two witnesses arrive, preach the gospel and get many saved. So for today, what you've had is a very general overview concerning Israel as a nation, concerning Mary as a daughter of Israel, concerning the church in a spiritual sense. You've seen this commotion You've seen this sign, you've seen this wonder, you've seen this miracle, you've seen the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, first advent, you've seen the tribulation, you've seen the millennial reign, you've also seen a glimpse of eternity, you've seen Satan standing before the woman, being Israel, wanting to kill the man-child, Cain tried to do that with Abel, the devil tried to ruin Noah, he tried to ruin David, he will try to ruin you if he's able to. He was able to work Job over, and yet Job was faithful. Job was able to withstand uh, the devil's attacks against him, and the Lord would reward him. Also, you've got this incident, verse 6, how the woman will flee into the wilderness. Jordan, I think, has been suggested by some. Petra, to be precise, where she has a place prepared of God. That term has a place, will go to her place. You think of the death of Judas. He went to his place. Could be the botanist pits, as some have suggested. And here, a similar description concerning a special event, concerning a unique event, concerning Israel being preserved for a thousand, two hundred and three score days, three and a half years. And I mean three and a half years. This goes back to the Lord's first coming. He came the first time and he crisscrossed Israel, Syria, and beyond for three and a half years. So this is almost like a replay, as I say. It's like a movie. It opens with the end of a character's life, and then the flashback takes you to the beginning of his life. And John is almost doing that. He's flip-flopping. He's going back and forth. A comma, a colon, a semicolon. Gives you the first coming, the second coming, and nothing in between. There's no mention here of the church age, because the church age has ended. Chapter 4, come up hither. John sees the 24 elders, and quite possibly himself, in glory. The 24 elders represent the church in Israel. We are, around this time, up in the third heaven. We've had the 
judgment seats of the Lord, uh, possibly the marriage supper of the Lamb as well. And we are waiting to come back, chapter 19, to rule and reign with our great King, Lord and Messiah. So 12.12 has a ring to it. And I think 12.12 will be enough for today. And I'll read it one more time and close. Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Look out. He's going to come down. He's going to kill as many as he can. He's going to deceive as many as he can. Verse 9. And he is going to take as many as he can to hell with him as well. And that's why it's pitiful when you see people wearing satanic clothing. And yet what we're told back in the book of Proverbs, all those that hate me love death. Powerful stuff. But I'm out of time, and I will close it there from Revelation 12, uh, Revelation 12, 12, and pick it up next week in Revelation 12, verse 13.